Hello and welcome to the Jones Chase podcast with your presenters Susanna Reinhardt and Shona Newmark. The views expressed are commentary rather than legal advice and for tailored employment law advice please call 0203 837 9914 or email us at info at jones.com. Hello and welcome to Case Notes. Um, this is uh, our next uh, uh, discussion uh, about the case of uh, Higgs and Farmer Schools and the Archbishop's Council of the Church of England. This is a recent EAT case. Uh, I'm joined here uh, on Case Notes with my colleague Shona Newmark. Um, Hello. Hi, Shona. Uh, so Shona, why, why have we chosen this case to talk about? Well, I say I think each month this is just a cracking case with uh, the facts are uh, extremely interesting in today's current climate and uh, the law that uh, is discussed in the EAT, at the EAT level is extremely important because of its relevance to today's society. So um, I suppose I, what I don't want to give is too much away about the facts themselves, but uh, it's a great case. All credit to you, Susanna, for finding it. So thank you very much. And I'll leave you to describe the uh, facts of the case that then can lead into the discussion. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just going to say one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about this case is that I, I, I just really love this whole concept of how we need to balance the protection of rights and freedoms of others against the right uh, to freedom of belief and freedom of expression. You know, I really that whole debate, I think, is 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 really uh, a really interesting one. So um, and this case is 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 definitely looking at that. So. Uh, just to give you a bit of background about the case before we start having a chat about it, um, Ms Higgs worked uh, as a pastoral administrator and work experience manager at Former's School um, and a complaint was made against her by parents to the school uh, relating to a, a, fa a Facebook post she'd made um, in specific um, uh, raising objections about, about relationship education in, in primary schools. Um, and um, uh, her post uh, was effectively advocating a petition to uphold the rights of parents to have children educated in line with their religious beliefs. Uh, and this uh, parent felt that uh, was found to be, you know, that, that the post was offensive. And um, as a result of that, the school suspended uh, disciplined her and then uh, ultimately dismissed her uh, and um, uh, and and we now are at the EAT decision following um, uh, the employment tribunal uh, making a decision uh, that she had not been uh, directly discriminated because of um, and or harassed uh, uh, relating to her protected beliefs. So um, what we'd like to do is uh, just talk through some of the issues that came out um, in the EAT uh, and why the EAT have um, uh, effectively remitted this case now back to the Employment Tribunal uh, to consider. So uh, Shana, one of the points um, that you wanted to talk about first was, you know, what is this difference between having a, a belief 
uh, and uh, and a manifestation of that belief and why in this case was it such a sort of sort of such an important thing yes so miss higgs in this case um she was at the secondary school as you say and her role was pastoral care and also work experience and that pastoral care meant that she came into contact with pupils uh with um issues arising maybe taken out of class and some of those issues can arise out of sexual orientation and or gender identity and or fluidity. And um, Ms. Higgs herself had a son at a primary school in which she thought that the way the primary school was teaching her child, um, and it was at a religious primary school, was uh, something that was, in fact, it read, they are brainwashing our children. She thought that the way the information was coming across to her son at his primary school was brainwashing at her child. So as you say, she tweeted, there were a number of other tweets that came out, oh, not tweets, Facebook posts, thank you, um, that came out as well. And uh, it's that, so her belief was a Christian belief in uh a marriage being made up of a man and a woman. So a same-sex marriage uh, she did not believe in. And in terms of sexual orientation, um, her belief related to being a, a belief in heterosexual orientation. And um, that was her belief that arose out of her uh, religion. And then the manifestation of that was to uh, show that she believed in a man and a woman in a marriage, and she believed in that heterosexual relationship. And it's whether that um, how you show your belief, um, and the Aweda case is a, a case that was decided uh, a few years ago in which an employee of British Airways uh, wanted to wear a cross which showed her belief her Christian belief, that's what she wanted to do. But whether this Facebook post was um, uh, showing her belief outside in the public, which went against what the school in which she worked, or the school in which she worked, the secondary school, whether there was a conflict in that. And how far does your actions in relation to your belief, um, how far can they go in a society which protects freedom of speech as long as it's not uh, offensive to others and where that offensive line lies and uh, what's um, what's allowed by law and, and what isn't. And um, is she allowed to do this within our freedom of speech? And the Employment Tribunal decided that, yes, she had a Christian belief, but the reason that she was dismissed was not because of that. It was because of almost how she did it, how she made this public and the extent to which that was done and, the, and their reputational damage. And therefore, there wasn't a connection between the belief she had and uh, the dismissal decision. So this disciplinary decision was at, was at three levels. There was an investigation, there was a disciplinary, there was appeal. It was, on the face of it, all proceeded correctly. And, um, and, and in that process, the teacher concerned, um, the Mrs Higgs, she said, um, 
I uh, do believe in a heterosexual um, and a man and a woman marriage, but uh, you're taking that as me being, or the uh, post that I've made as me being transphobic or homophobic, and I'm not. Um, but that can be, and that can be consistent. And I think the school thought there was a, a perception that that cannot be consistent, that the posts that she had made on Facebook couldn't be consistent with her saying, actually, you know, I, I, I'm not homophobic, I'm not transphobic. Yeah, so I, me, I, I think, um, actually, I think that the school's, uh, the way in which the school approached it was very much on the basis of it, it can be perceived from the posts that you made and what was said. And, and there was some quite strong language used in that post that, um, that it can be perceived that you are homophobic and transphobic. And that was what they focused on. And from their perspective, um, that was the, the, the decision that they were entitled to reach, um, uh, balancing out. Um, uh, what they wanted to take into consideration. And, and that was the bit that they actually got wrong. Um, and that's the bit that um, the, the EAT um, have found that the employment tribunal, when it got to tribunal, they, they themselves did not engage with the question, um, uh, which was, you know, whether, nonetheless, was it because of or related to the claimant's her manifestation of her belief, um, and that if they had answered that question properly, the views or concerns of the school um, were sort of not relevant at all in that perspective, weren't they? So it was they got that so wrong. Uh, not only the school, but then the EAT, the ET sort of got that wrong when they were looking at the test, which was to um, to really understand whether. Um, how she was portraying herself by posting. So her manifestation, I would suggest, is the posting of the articles. Um, yeah. um, it, whether that then uh, was was uh, a case that was going to um, uh, impact her in relation to discrimination or harassment. And I think that leads us nicely on to this whole debate about you know, the the extent to which you need to uh, balance somebody's uh, right to expression. So the Article 9 and 10 of the Human Rights Act, which is the uh, right to uh, have the freedom of thought, conscience and religion, which is Article 9, and then the right of the freedom of expression, which is Article 10. Um, and perhaps we should just put into context why that's important, um, in particular at the tribunal stage. Um, and that's because although the school aren't a public authority and are not subject to the Human Rights Act, the Employment Tribunal are. And so they have to factor in when they're looking at the overall decision, whether or not those rights come into conflict with other rights. So you you got yeah. to a stage. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you about what your thoughts are in relation to the, the obligation. So, um, Shana, in respect of balancing uh, the rights of freedom of expression and uh, the freedom uh, of belief in a case like this, um, for you, um, what is the important aspect in, in relation to uh, at what stage would an employer need to be thinking about this if they're not subject themselves to Human Rights Act? Yes. So... 
I'm just going to step back slightly to um, read Article 9, because I think uh, Article 9 and Article 10, which you've referred to, and this freedom of speech element, um, is often one that isn't thought about by the employer, as you say, and when should that be, I think is helpful to know what it is that the right it is in the first place, so then when's that triggered? So everyone has the right to freedom of thought. This is Article 9, conscience and religion. This right includes freedom to change his religion or belief in freedom, either alone or in a community with others in public or private, to manifest his religion or belief in worship, teaching, practice and observance. And then freedom to manifest one's religion or beliefs should be subject only to such limitations as are prescribed by law and are necessary in a democratic society. So Article 9 doesn't protect every act motivated or inspired by religion or belief. It, it, it does offer a protection for freedom of thought and speech, but as I say, doesn't protect every act. And this freedom to manifest is only the limitations that are prescribed by law. So in this instance, um, it's trying to think as an employer if what the individual has said is uh, something that is a manifestation of their religion or belief. And then if it is, is there any prescription by law which, which is relevant here? And I suppose it's just that uh, thought, what is the reason I'm doing this? because that's what it all comes down to. It, yeah. it, it, or is there another way I could handle this that doesn't involve, in this instance, doesn't involve dismissal? And, um, and I think that should be done at the time of the disciplinary meeting itself. And so as lawyers, um, it's getting the employer to think about that reason. And if the employer says, oh, it's because, uh, this is offensive, what they're saying is offensive. It's trying to understand what element is offensive. Tell me what, because in this particular case, there was a word used in the Facebook post about uh, brainwashing. And the individual, Mrs. Higgs said, you're right, that, that word was went too far. Um, and uh, I could have phrased that better. Um, and so there's lots of things in the disciplinary proceedings in which she accepts, she accepts the Facebook post, she accepts that people could have read it in the way they've read it. She accepts that uh, she is uh, very upset by the way her son is being taught and that, but she also says, this doesn't come into my job. I don't allow this to come into my job. And it's almost as if they don't believe her. It couldn't possibly be the case that you have that religious belief and that that can't seep or leak into your thoughts when dealing with pupils at our school. And, and actually, the fact we've had a complaint from a pupil's a parent from our school means that this is how it's been perceived. It's been perceived as homophobic, transphobic. And the school and the tribunal don't go much further than that. that and, and I think it comes down to schools just being very concerned about reputational damage. Whereas when I was talking to you before this, you know, we, we, we had a chat and you came up with a really, really good way of dealing it 
in a different way, which is, you know, let's spark a debate and let's let's yet using the, the, the fact that we've had this complaint um, to have a discussion, perhaps with parents um, and pupils and staff around this issue and 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 talking about it so you could actually almost turn it into uh, without identifying specific people obviously but you could end up having as an employer you could use it as an opportunity couldn't you to um to look and spark discussion within your organization um uh and in a school with parents uh, which could be a very positive and alternative way of of dealing with it. It may and and so actually you may get a better reputational outcome um, than the the concern you have about the damage to your reputation of perhaps being perceived to employ somebody who um, you've assessed may have transphobic or homophobic views. Yes, and and sometimes um, it that it almost feels like it was a a knee-jerk reaction, mm. the reaction they took to the parents' complaint. And then they, there were other posts that had been made uh, by Mrs Higgs, rather than a considered reaction. And, and the reason they got the considered bit through tribunal was because they had so many levels of the disciplinary process that it, on the face of it, it could look considered. Look at all these people, uh, the, the person that investigates it, the, the person, the disciplinary, they had three, they were three sets of governors, uh, sorry, two sets of governors of three looking at each stage. And yeah. that's considered good grief. We've, we've had so many people look at this and that in itself could mask consideration it may not it may be that the school was was right uh, and at the end uh, they'll be able the outcome of this case was the EAT remitted it back to an employment tribunal and um the, the last question that was asked was would you like it to be the same tribunal or a different tribunal and please write to us within 24 hours of of, of that be of my judgment coming out in order to say that give your view on that same tribunal or a different tribunal. And I wonder, you know, the same tribunal has got all the facts in front of it, but it could be they'll just be trying to justify what they left out in the first place. But even looking at the um, uh, Human Rights Act, we're still gonna go the same way. We still feel that this was uh, a manifestation which uh, was uh, arose from that belief and therefore it was uh, unlawful to say those things. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, the, the purpose of our case notes is to really give, um, uh, give employers some, some, some take-homes from this. And I think the take-home uh, from this case is that actually, you know, where are we going to see these type of issues arising again um, on a day-to-day -day basis? And for me, it's around... Um, social media, it's around the TikTok, it's around Twitter, it's around Facebook and everything else that is coming in and where people are using their personal accounts to express opinion and then people raise complaints um, uh, and how as an employer you act for it. And what, what I think this case um, uh, tells me is that actually, even though you may not be subject to the Human Rights Act, you're going to have to wade in earlier on at the disciplinary investigation stage and really look at it now as to about looking at somebody's right uh, and freedom of expression. 
um, uh, and, and looking at those alternative ways, because what comes out in this case very clearly to me is that that right of freedom to expression is a very, very high right, actually. It's one that even if it might be offensive to other people, if there are people who might share your opinions, you're allowed to, 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 to make those opinions. Um, uh, and so I think that's that's that for me is is where there is sort of almost an extra layer of onus now on employers for arising from this case where we might have to be doing that more readily, whereas before you might have said, well, we don't because, you know, actually uh, we're not subject to the Human Rights Act. Um, and, and it's yeah, it, it is word proportionate because yeah. that freedom of expression, if there's going to be anything that limits this it must be proportionate to get that legitimate aim. So the legitimate aim here is the protection of those pupils that it feels are at risk or, and or the reputation of the school. What is a proportionate way of dealing this? Is it to dismiss Mrs. Hicks? Um, I do think there are other ways and you mentioned about our discussion before we started recording. Uh, that was just one other way. Um, uh, another way could have been to meet there was one parent that uh complained would be to bring that parent in and have yeah. a chat about what it was they thought and maybe that would result in another post on facebook uh placing the uh comments made in context um uh, who knows but but for me on the remission back of this case to an employment tribunal I do feel that it's going to be difficult for that tribunal to see that this dismissal was proportionate. I can see the legitimate aim, of course, but was this dismissal proportionate? I think that's a, a yeah, difficult. I don't know what you think would happen at a remission back. I think this is where you and I differ. I think that there is a high chance, given the current political, the current climate um, uh, at the moment, uh, that there is a high chance that on remission this same outcome is going to be it uh, is going to is going to come out as in they're going to find that she has not uh, been discriminated against and or harass uh, suffered harassment um and i think um that's because i think there is an argument for protection of those um uh, of of people who are a trans, um, a gay, and I think that that might trump when you're balancing out um, the, uh, the the different um, uh, rights of individuals. That that in this current climate that we're in, that that might be the outcome. But I think you'll think differently. I do, and uh, I I do uh, not because of the legitimate aim. I absolutely uh, accept the legitimate aim. It's just how the 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 what has happened is there it's just how it's then treated um so if we go back to the case the the, the cake bakers in northern ireland and uh the man that wanted to celebrate same-sex marriage and and the cake baker said we we don't want to make that cake um at the supreme court the supreme court said uh yeah you're, you're right cake bakers um uh you can have the right to uphold uh, the view that you have um, and uh, whereas at EAT level and Court of Appeal level, they said it was the individual's right to have the cake baked. And that's another sort of clash of 
um, of rights, just as you have predicted, this will be a thing that will become extremely, uh, is extremely important now and will become even more so as, as time goes on, particularly with identity um, uh, issues that uh, this seems to be very important about individuals' identity and uh, bring your whole self to work, etc. notions of that type that uh, employers are encouraging, that, um, that the individual wants to be free to say what they want to say, and uh, the individual who want his cake to, wanted the cake baked, I can understand that he wanted that cake baked, and uh, I think in those circumstances that bakery was offering a service and disregarding their thoughts on it, bake the cake. Uh, because they are offering a service and nobody's suggesting that uh, that impinges upon their religious belief. They can still retain their religious belief. They can still carry on with that. Um, making the cake is their profession. Their religion is not part and parcel of their profession. And so it's, uh, yeah, goes against what the Supreme Court in, <laughs> thought in that cake case. So anyway, let's Let's see how these cases progress. It, it's a pity that we've got to a stage where this is being fought over in courts and not discussed in debate, in my view. I agree, I agree. But I think um, uh, what I would say is read it because it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolutely fabulous judgment. In, uh, it, it's, it's long, but it's, a, it's a really, it's clever. Um, and it's really well um, thought through. So it's a great case uh, to read um, and, and there's plenty to learn from it. So I think... Uh, Can I just as a last little point about the intervener, because in this case, there were three, three parties. Uh, one, one was the Mrs Higgs herself, who was appealing the decision, uh, the school who was saying that, that the decision was right in the first instance, and then an intervener, which was the... Um, Archbishop's Council of the Church of England, who were there uh, at the time they gave at the EAT level uh, their guidelines for these cases. And um, the judge at the EAT level said, I, I don't think it's appropriate to have guidelines. I think it's appropriate for the cases to be decided on their own set of facts. But uh, here's some, here's other points that you should think about. And those other points are extremely helpful in themselves. And when you say about the takeaway for the employer, um, the list, uh, it starts at page 43 at point 94. Um, it says these are what I'd say are basic principles. And, and it's a great old list. And in it is part of what the intervener suggests ought to be thought about as well, not as an overriding thought, but just as a thought to have. So I think uh, if, if you need a speed read, <laughs> go to point 94 page 43 and uh, there's a list of things to consider and as you rightly say Susanna at that uh, disciplinary either the person who's making the decision or the investigation stage or possibly the person making the decision thinking through what's proportionate here what should I be thinking about great all right well I think that's our 30 minutes if not more done so um uh we will next month on yeah AU. yeah and thank you for choosing this one thank you all right bye
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about employment law, contact Susanna Reinhardt at susanna.reinhardt at joneschase.com or Shona Newmark, shona.newmark at joneschase.com. Alternatively, call the Jones Chase team on 0203 837 or visit our website at joneschase.com. Thank you.